You are listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. James Marshall is a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. His registered investment advisory firm is registered in Texas and Kentucky. For 30 years, he has been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. This podcast is about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, physical, and yes, some spiritual. The bottom line is you will leave with some knowledge and knowledge is wealth. So whether you're walking, running, exercising, or having your choice of beverages, no judgments here. Clear, then open your mind and get ready for some life-changing financial lessons. It's your time. Here's your host, James Marshall. It's a family affair. Podcast number 26. Embrace the power of cooperative economics. You don't have to do it alone. All right, we're going to get right into podcast number 26 in just a second. But first, we want to talk about our financial definition of the day. And today we go back to letter C. And C is for cooperative. What is a cooperative? Well, cooperatives are people-centered enterprises owned, controlled, and run by and for the members to realize their common, common economic, social, and cultural needs and aspirations. Cooperatives bring people together in a demographic and equal way, whether the members are the customers, employees, users, or residents. Cooperatives are demographically managed by the one member, one vote rule. Let's go back. A like group, whether it be users, residents, employees, in this case, family members. And it is a democracy and it is managed by the one member, one vote rule. Members share equal voting rights regardless of the amount of capital they put into the enterprise. Cooperative economics. I tell you, it works. So let's get right into it. See how we can use this new definition in today's podcast about the power of cooperative economics. You know, there is a power in the crowd, but only if that crowd is moving toward the same goal. When considering the concept of cooperative economics, a concept I call the hive, you must be sure of the integrity of your group, whether it be family, business associates, or friends. It is great for the members to have different views, skill sets, and backgrounds but they also need to be on one accord as to the group's objective. You know, the strength of the cooperative is not just the money each person brings to the group, but also the knowledge and energy. You don't know everything, so don't pretend. No one can make it alone. I'm not talking about multi-level marketing schemes like friends and family here. No, I'm talking about family cooperative trust that are designed to survive over multiple generations. I'm talking about private family banks that stand ready to bridge the gap left by commercial banks and their unwillingness to provide assistance to people in our community. Cooperative economics can also work like an investment club where the group of family members or cooperative pools actually pool their funds to build an investment portfolio of stocks, 
bonds, mutual funds, annuities, life insurance, exchange traded funds, and commercial real estate. And to do this to build and transfer multifamily, multi-generational wealth. Of all these assets, the most impactful, without a doubt, is life insurance. And when families maintain the proper amount of life insurance owned by the family trust, the result can be multi-generational wealth. Now, I want to step away for a second and talk about why I said that the insurance should be owned by the family trust. If you're blessed enough to build good wealth in your household, in your family, and if you get a three, four, five million dollar life insurance policy and you own that policy, that death benefit becomes a part of your estate and can be taxable. So a way to avoid that taxation is to have that policy to be owned by a trust, what we often call a irrevocable life insurance trust or islet. Also, this trust can be effective in allowing you to control the disbursement of the funds that are delivered to that trust by the life insurance company. But that's for a different podcast when we get into more, get deeper in the woods on the whole ownership of life. Now, the Marshall Wealth Management Hive System establishes the framework for this process. Came up with now, this process has been going around for years and has been utilized by thousands of families around the world. Several minority groups have depended on the transfer of tax-free wealth through life insurance to finance the growth of their families for years. It's a great way to assure the wealth-building efforts of the family is successful. Asian and Jewish families are particularly astute in this process. You know, now I realize this fact uh, during one of my many trips to the Million Dollar Roundtable over the years. Now, the Million Dollar Roundtable represents the top 3% of financial advisors and insurance agents around the world. So you meet a lot of really successful agents and advisors and you talk with them. And you. And one thing I found is that a majority of the members of the uh, round table, a good number of them, I wouldn't say majority, but a good number of them were Asian and African and a huge number of Jewish Asians as well. And most of their clients are in their community. And those who are doing large cases, the 5, 10, 15, and 20 million dollar life insurance cases are doing them through trust in most cases. No, no, I, I did not invent this system. But I am committed to educating my community, the black community, about the impact that this strategy can have on our ability to control our destiny and change the narrative in regards to our rankings of household wealth amongst families all over the United States of America. And just because we started the race way behind and with a lot of distractions and disadvantages, too many to mention, that does not mean that we cannot catch up and take our rightful place in the lead. But if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So you have to make a change. And that change is to consider cooperative economics through the system that I call the hive. And when I say hive, I mean H-I-V-E. Uh, a lot like a beehive. If you've ever studied the dynamics of bees, you'll see that their success is based on cooperation and teamwork. So listen, I want to share with you a 
video that I came across on YouTube on a podcast put on by a Good Twin, Bad Twin. I believe it's done by Hurl Lyle Films. Hurl Lyle Films. It was done back in uh, January 2017 where they're interviewing uh, Dr. Umar Johnson. And he had a lot of good things to say about uh, multi-generational wealth. So take a listen to it and hopefully it will uh, drive home what I've been saying today. Check it out. So how, what's the solution? So how do we get that? So well, here's the thing. We got to recognize that wealth is intergenerationally created. Most people who get rich don't get rich in a lifetime. Oprah, that's once in a while. Bill Gates, that's once in a while. Most people are intergenerational wealth. That means what? That if black people want to catch up, we have to start saving wealth and passing it to the next generation. Our biggest problem ain't that we're splurging. Is that every time we splurge, we're stealing from our descendants. You're giving them no inheritance to get started with. But the white child, they're starting out $100,000 plus, a million, a million dollars plus. And I think we have to become more strategic in the way that we do our health plans as well as our life insurance plans. Because what I'm learning with a lot of these white folk, a lot of them are getting their first, uh, uh, what you want to call a shock of wealth, through the life insurance policy of their parents. Yeah, we, we, we talk about that too, yeah, so life insurance policy. Yeah. So there's so many different strategies towards wealth that we're not even thinking about because black people, our selfishness, it's also based on our, what you want to call it, emergency consciousness, survival instinct. We're only worried about our life. We do not think about those who come after us. Now, you got to realize now, when we got our slavery, white folks been already building wealth for a couple centuries. We started behind the eight ball. Okay? So you got to play catch up. How do you catch up with somebody who's 100 yards in front of you? You have to run faster than they are. That means we have to sacrifice our spending habits more than everyone else in order to catch up. How does a people who are at the bottom waste money more than people who are at the top? So not only are you not catching up, you're not even thinking about it. Trying to catch up. Um, we this is good. And we got a thousand questions and mm-hmm. we know you got a flight. Mm-hmm. We appreciate the time. Thank you. No problem. One, one fat meat juicy point. What, what would it be before you go on? I would say that we have to build our own schools. Everything we're talking about, the only way it becomes normalized, the only way it becomes a part of the collective black consciousness is if the children are raised with it as a group. Remember, all progress is group work, it's teamwork. That means we need all the children in Jackson to be taught the principles of financial empowerment, all the children of Jackson to be taught how to eat healthy, all the children of Jackson to understand what black family means and why it's so important. Until then, it's just a specialty. As we spoke earlier, diet being a specialty, wealth is a specialty. Think about it. If you're black and you're in the know about money and the laws of finance, you are a specialty. You are an eccentricity. You are an oddity. That's a problem. Because for white people, gaining wealth is a regular part of their everyday conversation. Even poor white people are regularly talking about wealth. Black people don't discuss wealth at all. We have to move it from the marginalized status it has and make it a mainstream topic of conversation. Is there an answer? I know you can't just drop a, a, five, a two second answer. No, no. Here's what I would say with the unity. Again, mm-hmm. unity has to be incorporated into the collective consciousness, which means children have to be socialized to unite with one another. Remember, our kids are socialized to disunite. As a principle, right? I've had first graders, six and seven, talking about how black your skin is. 
how cheap your clothes is, how nappy your hair. You're six. Yeah. You just your first year in school. How do you know all this? Yeah. The parents. We are teaching our kids to be Negroes. So the only way you're going to undo that is to teach them to be Africans, which is why I want my school to be residential. Because I know sending them back to the same house that created the illness after school oh, yeah. is going to undo everything I do from eight to three. You got the kids for 16 hours. I got them for eight. I can't win because the brain is the creature of repetition. Yes. Whoever gets to this the most will rule it. What did Adolf Hitler say? Come up with a lie. Keep on telling the lie. Be consistent with it. It ain't got to be the truth. But the brain cannot resist the temptation to believe something that is regularly presented before it. Repetition wins. We give our kids the white folks for the first 18 years of their life. Then we want to remake them into Africans for the rest of their life. That's ridiculous. The formidable years of conditioning is birth to 12. The formidable years of conditioning is birth to 12. We give that to white people. And then when they turn 21, they already have habituated. They already have a personality. They already got hard habits. And now we want to re-Africanize it. Who does that? What people have ever gotten free, giving the best years of their children to their oppressor to manipulate? All right. Listen, if you don't believe me, believe him. The main thing is we've got to change our opinion of wealth. Doing it by yourself may be successful, but if you're wealthy and your siblings are not, are you really wealthy? If your family's wealthy and your community is suffering, do you really have wealth? So it's important that we work together, pool our resources, and build true wealth, real wealth, multi-generational. The key thing is keep reading, keep studying, keep improving, and keep building wealth. Now, I want to tell you that we're now on Apple iTunes and Spotify. So please go to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean and like this podcast. Follow us. Subscribe to us because the likes are important in terms of how we're placed on these sites. We want to continue to bring you the information. We want to know that it is giving you some value. Until next time, keep building wealth. Peace. You have been listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. Keep increasing your knowledge by going to marshallyourmoney.com and check out our educational videos, newsletters, and calculators. There you can also sign up for your free copy of his book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. Like this podcast and follow it on podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media platforms, Facebook, Black Family Wealth, Twitter, James Marshall at Marshall Wealth, Instagram, Marshall Wealth, LinkedIn, James Marshall, and on YouTube, James Marshall Financial Educator. Email your questions or thoughts to james at marshallyourmoney.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, we build wealth one family at a time. No, you can't. I teach you how to say, don't waste your money, but bank your money, don't spend your end. I teach you how to say, your bank account will be filling out with them dividends. I teach you how to say, rule number one, if it ain't making money, it ain't making sense.